Welcome to All Things Terror. I'm Emily. I'm Jennifer. And this is a researched podcast where we bring you stories from science, history, and true crime that will terrify you. And I have a terrifying tale from my own life, which also often happens. (laughs) Is it another old-timey disease? No, no, nor is it a new timey disease. Um, but I am working from home due to a new timey disease, as many of us are these days. And so um, I'm a teacher. I was conferencing with my students about their papers online. Um, and it was like a Microsoft Teams, so kind of like a Skype situation. Some of them could hear me, some could see me. And as I'm sitting on the couch talking to one of my students, she's like saying something, asking me a question. And I look over and my cat Prince is at the top of the cat tree. Um, And this cat tree is maybe six feet tall. Like it's taller than me. And he starts vomiting. Uh, And I was just like making this horrible face and then all of a sudden I had to be like oh my god Haley can you see me and she was like yeah and I was like I'm not making a face at you (laughs) (laughs) but then the plot thickens so I have gauged ears they're small gauges like maybe a pencil could fit in them and so you're like an eight I I don't remember but yes I'll say yes um they're pretty small Uh, but over the weekend, one of them fell out and that happens sometimes, you know, like while you're sleeping, but the earring wasn't showing up and I was like, oh, I'm going to have to go buy new ones. Um, because you can't leave them out very long or they'll, they'll close up. Um, and so as I'm cleaning up the cat vomit, I find the missing gauge on a lower level of the cat tree. And I'm like, did you eat this and throw it up? (laughs) I have the same question, like, so was it in the vomit, or was it just conveniently upon the bottom of the cat tree? I don't know, Um, because one of my theories was that I was wearing my headphones, like they're over-ear headphones, and I took them off and put them away kind of near the cat tree, so maybe that, like, took it off and flicked it there, or maybe a cat found it. It wasn't in, like, a pile of vomit. But it could have been coming out of vomit. It's it's a mystery. <laughs> so did your student get to see any of the vomit action at all? No, she could only see my face making a horrified, <laughs> disgusting face and then like shaking my head like, oh my god. Um, so, you know, that's an eventful time for her, I suppose. Well, that's, um, I'm sure she's going to remember that forever. (laughs) (laughs) Unfortunately, I think she will, right? Like, oh, in the 2020 coronavirus, this is what I remember being in college and my teacher talking to me about her paper and her cat threw up. And then she made this horrified face. And I'm not sure if she was telling me the truth. I'm not sure that her cat was throwing up. Maybe she was just like horrified by my paper. It's possible. The other thing, like, I'm sure you've seen a cat throw up before as well, but, like, 
this cat is kind of dramatic anyway, but, like, when he throws up, he, like, sticks his whole tongue out. So he's just over there, like, doing the hork but, like, with his tongue sticking all the way out. And I was just like, oh, my God, of course this would happen right now. <laughs> so that was my day. Well, I can't say that my day was um, that exciting. My day was mostly me sitting at my desk, looking at lots of things in code and going, do I really have to edit this? Oh, I guess I do have to edit this. Well, you know what you don't have to edit? This, this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, that's Clint's job. Uh, and also the spooky story that I'm about to tell you. I'm so ready. Please tell me a spooky story. Give me give me a reprieve from the day that I've had today. I will. I will also say that I've decided my goal for season four is to try and put the weirdest segues in as possible <laughs> as we move out of our chat and into our actual stories. So, so wait, is this going to be like the dad joke of seg- segues or... Just like I, I just, awkward I just nerdy segue. To be like you know, like speaking of buying new shoes, here's a story about a murder. Uh, <laughs> the weirdest ones that don't actually connect to anything. I like it. I support this. <laughs> so this week, I do have a story for you. It is horrifying, um, and it is like Law and Order ripped from the headlines. Um, earlier... Wait, can we get the the Law & Order sound? Dun-dun. Dun-dun. Okay. Uh, thank you, Clint, for not putting that in, which I'm sure you will not do. Uh, so, my Law & Order rip from the headline story is this. It's 2020. Earlier this year... Uh, the beginning of February, in fact, something odd happened in Ireland. A fisherman uh, was walking along the uh, west side of Ireland, which Ireland is, the west is the best, uh, and he came upon a very weird thing on the beach, and that thing that he came upon was a huge fucking ship that had washed ashore so like a like an old ship or a new ship it was a several year old ship uh it was a 250 foot cargo ship it looks like a kid's drawing of a boat like it's, <laughs> it's blue it's boat shaped it's got like a little house looking thing on the front that's yellow and white and it has like some crane looking things on the top i don't know what boats are really it's a bo- um, it's a boat that's boat shaped you know yeah like if i said draw a boat you would draw one in this shape probably um it was completely abandoned um, no sign of any people or any cargo. 
The uh, guy who found it said, quote, this is one in a million. I have never, ever seen anything abandoned like that before. It is a huge ship, and it was abandoned, and no fisherman on the south coast of Ireland or uh, England saw it. In fact, it had come all the way from Africa. Oh, crazy. Yep. Uh, this is, the ship was called the MV Alta, and apparently in 2018, it started having some issues, and so they abandoned the ship, um, the crew was rescued, and the owners were like, okay, well, we're going to tow it and get it fixed, but uh, according to a New York Post article, it was, quote, actually hijacked along the way. <laughs> <laughs> After that, it was found, or it was found, in loose quotes, uh, in 2019. There's still no crew aboard, um, and since then, they don't really know what happened. Somehow it drifted all the way up from Africa, around Spain, and ran aground in Ireland. I, like, did this boat come from the Bermuda Triangle or something crazy? <laughs> I this boat is like I want to see Ireland before I am scuttled and then it did it it had a plan in mind it's like I've seen it this is great now you can come get me <laughs> right yeah uh but the thing that's really interesting is that this is not the only ship to be mysteriously abandoned or found or appearing um there is a whole bunch of them and the name for these ships is ghost ships oh wait um god did we talk about maybe i am imagining this wasn't there like um h.l hunley did we talk about h.l hunley no i don't know what h.l hunley is okay t tell us more about your ghost ships okay so Ghost ships fall into two categories. One is legends, um, things like the Flying Dutchman. Do you know that story? Yes. Yeah. So the Flying Dutchman uh, is basically like, for whatever reason, these people who are crewing it um, are cursed, and they are um, cursed to be ghosts that travel around the world on this ship forever. Um, I guess you could think the rhyme of the Ancient Mariner might be about a ghost ship. Yeah, um, I, I could see that. Yeah. Uh, also, I love that poem very much. It's really fucking spooky and weird and delightful. Um, the other thing that most ghost ships are is based off of real phenomena. And this is when people come across ships that are often abandoned or without a crew or people on them. And it's often really mysterious or unclear what happened. Um and that kind of adds some creepiness to the ghost part, right? Like, if you abandon a ship, that doesn't make it a ghost ship. They go out and find it. If you find the crew alive, that doesn't make it a ghost ship. The ghost ship sort of has this mysterious connotation that people have disappeared from it. And today, I am going to tell you about those kinds of ghost ships. Well... I know about a a ghost ship. 
um, the H.L. Henley, which is kind of interesting. So it was um, it was a, a submarine that belonged to the Confederate States of America, and it was it was used during the American Civil War, and the ship was like. Um, I guess it was uh, built or something in like 1863, but they didn't really start using it until 1864. Hmm. Wait, I might have heard about this. Anyway, go on. So, uh, <laughs> I swear we talked about this because I swear I made a joke about um, the ship being built in Mobile, Al- Alabama. You know, we're all fine things are built in Mobile, <laughs> Alabama. Um, but basically what happened is is that um, I guess they, they joked about it and they called it a fish torpedo boat. But basically, like, they used, this, they used the submarine and then um, and then it disappeared and a lot of people didn't know really what happened to it until it was located in 1995, and essentially when the Hunley attacked this other um, ship, because USS means ship, right? Yeah. Um, it it attacked this other ship, and when it attacked the ship, um, it also destroyed itself because it was too close <laughs> to the blast, right? Because you know we're again like we're in the 1800s, folks. Uh, Things right, like a submarine in the 1800s is actually pretty impressive, but <laughs> it kind of makes sense that they would be like, well, we don't know how to fucking do this. Right, so um, it sank It sank itself, basically. Um, and then in 1995, they located the ship, and then I guess in 2000, they pulled the shit up, uh, ship up and put it on display in um, Charleston, South Carolina? I think so. That does sound familiar, but I don't think I've talked about it with you before. I don't. Maybe I dreamed this episode. It it is on my (laughs) list of stuff I want to talk about. But that's the H.L. Hunley. That is the ghost ship like thing that I know about. This is like that time when I thought Clint tricked us and put something at the end, and then I thought he didn't, and I'm still not sure if it was a dream or reality. I guess we'll never know. Maybe we have we'll to go know. go back and listen to our old episodes and be like, did we actually talk about this? I don't know anymore. <laughs> I think that's Clint's job. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I'm not going to hijack your episode. That is my Jennifer's mini-sode in type, inside of Emily's large sode. That's okay because they're actually, it was hard for me to pick which ones to talk about. Um, and there are two that I almost wrote about and I decided to save, um, for the Facebook group. So this is absolutely, if you like this episode, you can really go down the rabbit hole on this. Um, before I get into the big stories, I do have some other little fun facts. One is that, um, the desk in the Oval Office was made from a ghost ship. Uh, the HS Resolute was found abandoned drifting it was later salvaged and wood from that ended up becoming the desk in the oval office oh that's crazy and yeah also really cool 
It is really cool. Also, um, as recently as 2017, um, ghost ships apparently wash up on the shore of Japan all the time. And there is some debate. I've seen some things that said, oh, well, obviously this is people trying to escape from North Korea. And then other people are like, no, that doesn't make any sense to escape that way. Um, so there's just this mysterious phenomenon of ghost ships appearing in Japan. So how do the Japanese feel about that? Are they basically like, stop putting your used truck in my front yard? I I can only imagine that that's what they think. <laughs> <laughs> also, my mom, that's like her ultimate way of saying, like, don't buy a house in that area. Or like, she would never really call someone white trash, but she'd just be like, I don't know, they seem like the kind of people who'd have a truck on their lawn or... Oh, we need to move their neighbors who are putting cars out on the lawn. And <laughs> it was just like the ultimate white trash, how dare you, disgusting move, uh, which I find delightful and hilarious. Fun fact, um, I did live in a house that had several cars on its lawn. <gasps> Gasp. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, sorry, there was a little pause because my neighbor is vacuuming. I just had to, like, pull my feet out from underneath myself and it made the made chair a fart sound. sound. It made a fart sound. I heard that. That was you farting. I know it. You want me to do it again? Yeah. Let's see if I can make it happen again. That doesn't this... mean that it's not farts. You could be pushing farts out. I mean, if I... Okay, so let's just take a moment and be analytical about this. If I were to fart <laughs> on the microphone, I would make sure to angle my butt towards the mic. <laughs> oh, Fair. there we go. Here we go. Here we go. In this episode of All Things Terror, we see how many fart noises I can make with my feet. All right, you ready? Your alleged feet. You ready? Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> that was a good one. If that was a fart, I would be like, you need to go to a doctor. <laughs> Sounded like a motorcycle starting up. Exactly how many beans and greens have you been eating, Jennifer? Right, or trombones. <laughs> you got me. I've just been eating trombones and tubas all day. Well, I mean, I guess they are full of minerals. <laughs> all, right, all right, so... The has stopped. We're safe. <laughs> sorry Clint. so i'm not sorry uh so we talked about the mv alta going going on its irish cruise in uh 2019 2020 um now we're gonna go back to 2006 it's a friday march 24th uh we're gonna go to a completely different part of the world which is off the coast of queensland australia um, I really want to go to Australia. I I feel like I would just fit in there. Like, crazy people being loud. Emily, beer. you wouldn't be able to make it because of all the spiders. You would you would just die. I, I'm okay with spiders. I don't love them. <laughs> I might, I might die from, like, all the other animals that are trying to kill you. <laughs> Maybe. Because I would definitely get bit by one. <laughs> and, get, um, and get an old-timey disease 
from yeah, the animal bite. Australia seems like a place that would have old-timey diseases. <laughs> no offense, Australia. You and I are the same. Uh, but, uh, so, 111 miles offshore, um, the Coast Guard comes across a tanker. This is a big, huge ship, or as I wrote in my notes, it's a biggin. Because <laughs> uh, sometimes I like to have fun. Uh, it's 262 feet. It um, has trailing a broken tow rope. There are inoperable engines. Uh, there's a name on the side of the boat, obviously, but that's been painted over. And the name that's been painted over is Jian Sang. Um, there's no papers. There's no identifying information on board. There's no ID. It isn't registered anywhere. And this is 2006. So there's like the internet and databases that they can check pretty quickly. Um, one Australian's customs official said that it was quote stripped clean. Um, they boarded it and they find like literally almost nothing except quote a large quantity of rice. <laughs> so somebody I... just somebody just basically dumped off a bunch of free rice. I cannot tell you how much I looked to try and find out what constituted a large quantity. <laughs> like are we talking about like the area of like three large people? Are we talking about like a bed, a king size bed area of rice? Are we talking about two big bags? I don't know. What about like a whole half of the ship space full of rice? <laughs> like that's 100... just filled up like a swimming pool. Yeah, well, 161 feet of rice. <laughs> <laughs> also, I like how I'm describing this essentially liquid that probably should be described as a volume in terms of like area. But that's just how my brain works. I'm like, is it the size of a couch? Is it the size of a dog? <laughs> okay, so do you remember, like, Scrooge McDuck from the cartoons and he would, like... Dive into his money? Yeah, dive into his money. Like, yeah. first off, that would kill him. But secondly, that's how I'm imagining <laughs> this rice. I'm not gonna lie. I know. <laughs> and, and like, uh, customs officials doing, like, a backstroke in all this rice. <laughs> Everybody throws their iPhones in there. Yeah. Right. <laughs> uh, but yeah, there's, aside from the swimming pool of rice, there's there's nothing else. There's no sign of people leaving in distress. There's no sign of people, really. Um, uh, again, this was found on a Friday. By Monday, the customs official did an official media release, and they were like, I don't think anyone has been on this in a long time. Um, they say that they don't think it was used for people smuggling, which I guess is in that area. Who knew? Um, in the press release and in all the news articles I can find, um, they suggest that it was for refueling or was being towed for scrap. And so they just threw the rice on there because it's essentially extra storage. Um, and then for whatever reason, the tow line snapped and instead of going back for it they just left it which is insane that's so much rice it's i, I mean 
It's a large quantity of rice. <laughs> How could you abandon that much rice? I know. Um, two things that I saw in a couple places, and I don't know how legit they are. One is that there is this idea that um, because it's off the coast of Australia, and I kind of looked into it, there's like this idea of like how far your jurisdiction goes into the water. And this boat was found like right on that border. And so the idea was that if you needed to refuel, you would have to pay Australia. Um, so maybe they were using this boat to like, or I'm sorry, it was found right outside that area. So they wouldn't need to pay Australia. So maybe the idea was that they were using this boat to do legal refueling. Or, theoretically, they were fishing illegally, and this was, like, the boat that they just kept the food on while they were working. Mm -hmm. um, and both of those might be reasons why they would just leave it. I guess those are... I mean, those are interesting theories, but we'll never know. I just think the weirdest thing is that nobody's claimed it. Nobody's been like, oh, yeah, that was my boat, and this is why I scraped the name off the side, right? Um, apparently, according to a Wikipedia article, um, one of the Australian senators um, said that Customs sort of said that this was a region that they had been trying to patrol a little bit more because of illegal activity, mm -hmm. um, like illegal fishing, and he was sort of, like, scoffing, like, mm, well, how can you expect to do anything when this huge tanker was, like, floating forever? Yeah, that's, uh, I guess that's a good point. And also, what would happen if that boat sank with all that rice in it? <laughs> it would soak up the ocean, right? That's why you put your your phone in the rice to soak it up so it's a good thing it didn't sink i mean is it because maybe it'd be okay if it sank just a little bit and maybe it'll take some of the the water back that's taking over our land masses at this time mm, yeah that's true i guess the sea animals could eat the rice can they i have so many questions what is rice <laughs> bad for marine life is it's like um like ducks, people are like, oh, feeding ducks and geese bread. How cute. But I've also heard that bread is bad for them. So who knows? Yeah, I mean, definitely bread. But I don't know. It, so there's... Oh, they're probably all paleo now anyway. <laughs> Fair enough. I was just going to say, there's a lot of stuff in bread that, you know, just... Is highly processed, where, whereas rice is just rice, you know. I guess so, but I love bread so much, so I won't abide any smack talk about bread. I mean, don't get me wrong, I love bread too, you know this. Yeah, bread is life. Um, so, these are some more modern ghost ships, but there are some very, very spooky, creepy ones. Um, and one of the ones that I'm just going to mention, like the old-timey ones like diseases are kind of the best because they're really weird. Um, perhaps the most famous uh, ghost ship of the old-timey era is the Mary Celeste. Have you heard of this one? 
Tell me more about the Mary Celeste. The Mary Celeste, it's not the main point. And the reason why is because it's so famous and people love it so much that it could so easily be its own episode. Um, I actually, if you are really interested, Astonishing Legends does a really good one on it. But in the 1880s, um, there was a crew of 10, including the captain's wife and his infant daughter. Um, and the ship was found totally abandoned. All the people are gone. Um, and all of their cargo, which it was a cargo ship, um, it was, it left New York and was going to Italy. Um, and all of the cargo was there. Everything was there. Um, the captain's log stopped mid-sentence. Um, there was like a candle burning, I think there was, f uh, clothes laid out for the daughter. I think maybe one lifeboat was missing, but that's it. Um, and no indication of what happened to the people at all. It, w it was as if they just vanished. What? Uh, yeah, it's really weird. It's super creepy. It's one of those ones that absolutely gives me little shivers every time I think about it. Um, and there are some really interesting theories about it. But the Mary Celeste is not the one I'm going to tell you about. Instead, I'm going to tell you about one that is a little bit later, um, but perhaps equally weird and creepy in its disappearances. And this is the Joyita in 1955. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, the MV Joyita, MV means uh, merchant vessel, I think. So um, our story takes place in 1955. By this time, uh, the Joyita is a, a 24 years old. It was originally built as a luxury yacht, and it did that for a while. During World War II, it was commissioned and was a patrol boat. Um it bounces around owners for a while, and then it eventually lands as a charter boat near Fiji. It's um, 69 feet long. <laughs> <laughs> can't, can't not do that. Um, it's a wooden boat, uh, but before this happened, it has a cork lining added to it, which would give it extra buoyancy um, and make it sort of more seaworthy, I suppose. So, on this particular run, um, this is supposed to, to be a two-day trip going from um, Apia Harbor, Harbor in Samoa. Not a P Harbor. Not a P Harbor, just a P Harbor, one P Harbor. <laughs> one of you may pee in the harbor. Uh, Apia Harbor in Samoa to Tokelau Islands. It's about 270 miles. I don't know shit about boats. I get seasick. I am not overly fond of anything nautical, but that does not seem like a lot to me. 270 miles on a boat. I mean, maybe. I have no idea. Um, on board, uh, there are um, people. There's also a little bit of cargo. Um how many people are on there um 25 passengers including a family of four that has two adopted kids who are three and 11 
Um, the cargo is mostly empty oil drums. There's some medical supplies, some timber, and food. So, I mean, it is like commodities, but it's not like hot commodities, gold, and rubies, and I don't know, bones of famous people or anything. It's or a just, large quantity know, of rice. It's not, it is not a large quantity of rice. It's not even that. So who would even care about this cargo? Um, after dropping off the passengers and the, uh, cargo in the Tokelau Islands, um, the bat, the boat was supposed to come back with copra, which Google tells me is dried coconut kernels. So again, nothing like scandalous. I don't even know what you would do with dried coconut kernels. That sounds like a Google question. It sounds like Clint should butt in right here and, and we'll hear his dulcet tones telling us. <laughs> and if not, listeners just know that Clint decided he hated you and that's why he didn't help. That's a, so, that's a pro-guilt move. Mm, what can I say? I'm I'm the oldest, so I know how to do that sort of thing. Um, so there's a little bit of delay for whatever reason. Um, oh, also one of the passengers on this boat is a doctor who's going to the island to perform an amputation. Oh, cool. Yeah. Isn't that a cool, creepy little detail? That's like, that Um, could be its own episode. (laughs) I know. Like, can you imagine you have to get your arm chopped off, but you have to wait for a doctor to come on a wooden boat? Uh, in 1955, be like, damn, don't you have metal engines now? So they set sail October 3rd. Again, it's supposed to be a two-day trip. They don't arrive at first, but it's like, okay, it's not a big deal. This is the ocean we're talking about. Um, by October 6th, which is three days later, they're like, okay, this is a little weird. Um, so for 12 days after that, the Royal New Zealand Air Force, Air Force searched for the ship. So these are planes and boats all over the place. Apparently they covered 100,000 square miles and didn't see a single sign of the boat. Shit. (laughs) Yeah. On November 10th, which coincidentally is also my sister's birthday. Happy birthday, Elizabeth. Um, Five weeks passed when it should arrive. The boat is found by the MV Tuvalau, 600 miles further west than it should be. Well, were there were there people on the ship? Mm, just wait. 600 miles west is really far. Um, their captain, upon finding it, said over the radio, uh, quote, looks like another Mary Celeste. Hmm. Which is from Stuff You Missed in History, which mostly uses primary sources, and they're very, very intense about their accuracy. So that was pretty spooky. So, the captain's assessment is not wrong. There's a lot that's still really weird and creepy about it. Um, The Joyeta has barnacle growth. Uh, It's listing. So, first off, it is listing to the side. And barnacle growth suggests that it's been listing for a while. Um, On the Joyeta, um, the captain's navigation tools are missing. His papers, his guns. um, And, to answer your question... All 25 passengers and the crew. 
That's crazy. It's very creepy. Um, All of the lights, so they have like electric lights, I guess, somehow. I don't understand anything about how boats work. Um, They're not working. <laughs> I don't, I'm like, there are lights. Okay. Uh, what? Like a boat is either like the Titanic or a rowboat in my mind. I, I don't know why I decided I needed to do this episode when I'm like, I don't understand boats. They're basically oxen. <laughs> what the fuck are even boats? What the fuck are even boats? Like, theoretically, I understand what they are. But if you ask me to, like, go into detail, I'd be like, well. <laughs> um. So the Joyita, when found, um, the lights are not working, but all of the lights are switched to on. And all of the clocks are stopped at 10.53. AM or PM or is that... Are we talking it's, about not digital clocks? It's not digital. I haven't seen anything saying whether it's AM or PM, and but there is some theory that I'll touch on later. Because I don't, so I don't know if you remember these um, clocks, but you know, you had like your old-fashioned type of looks like a timepiece clock but then you would have the ones where they had like the number plates on them yeah and they would like click down and it would say like am or pm yes and the noise would be so annoying yeah i don't know i'm inclined to say if they stopped the idea is that like the power went out and then generators kicked in or something or maybe the generators went out and so if it's tied to the time that the power went out I would have to assume there's some sort of electricity involved. So, in addition to the clocks being stopped at 1053, um, the lifeboats, and on one place, um, it's this Nightwatch Paranormal blog, and again, all sources will be in our Facebook page, but um, that source said that there were three lifeboats and a dinghy. Um, other places just said that the lifeboats boats are gone um apparently there were enough lifeboats for the passengers but not enough life jackets so keep that in your back pocket as our friends at southern fried true crime would say um the boat had corroded pipes um and in a downstairs room there were a bunch of mattresses stacked up against a wall so the idea, possibly, is that maybe they thought there was a burst or something and they were stacking them up to try and plug something. Um, but here's where the plot thickens even more, or twists, or twists thickly. Um, this is all pretty ominous and weird. However, on deck, there's a doctor's bag. Remember I said that there was the doctor on board traveling to perform the amputation? Yes. Inside the doctor's bag, there are blood-stained bandages. There are different descriptions, again, and like the rice, um, I have no idea how many blood-soaked bandages <laughs> there were. <laughs> really letting it's, me down here in the quantity area. I, I Believe me, I tried really hard to find it because I felt like this is a situation where he'd be like, okay, well, was this like a cut or did someone's finger get blown off? And I'm like, I have no idea how to tell you. Um, but it does seem significant. Some things seem to say like a couple rolls or whatever. It's it's hard to parse out. 
Um, weirdly enough, Stuff You Missed in History doesn't mention the bloody bandages, but they're one of the very few sources that say um, that all things that could be taken were, including food. Um, a lot of other sources don't really mention anything being missing, but most things do seem to say that the things that were on board were not valuable enough to make it worth, like, a robbery. Mm. In fact, a lot of places say that there is still food and water and fuel. So, even though the ship was abandoned and things were taken, it wasn't like people were somehow starving and that's why they left. Seems to be the argument. For reasons that are uh escaping me at the moment um it seems like they went about 600 miles of their 270 mile trip they thought that they were possibly within about 50 miles of their destination when the something went awry and they started sort of drifting off course the other issue is that their radio for whatever reason even though they're only within 50 miles of their destination the radio only had a range of two miles. Um, Mysterious Universe, one of the sources, said that the radio looked like it was set to broadcast a distress signal, but it was never sent. Other sources made it sound like maybe it was sent, but because there was some sort of faulty wiring or issue with the radio, um, it wouldn't have gone far enough to actually reach anybody. Mm. Whether the message is actually sent or not, I think is kind of an interesting point but it's hard for me to tell what i will say is that for whatever reason it was never received um but despite all of this really ominous stuff bloody bandages on the deck possibly food missing the lifeboats gone all the people gone the faulty wiring the mattresses stacked in a downstairs room the boat was still buoyant and a lot of things said basically unsinkable the cork lining would have held up even if it had taken on a lot of water and there was no damage to the hull. The uh, captain, weirdly enough, there's some, I don't know, I hear different things about this captain. Um, but basically, Captain Dusty Miller knew that this boat would have been borderline unsinkable. And some sources make it sound like he would not have abandoned the ship um even for any reason that he would have just kept going and especially for such a short trip the boat that found it and the coast guard um drag it back to port for an inquest and the fate of the passengers on board is determined to be quote inexplicable on the evidence submitted at the inquiry hmm. yep there are some interesting theories one is that and this reminds me a lot of Dial of Pass, where none of the theories really fit very well. Um, there's something wrong and something right about every theory, and it kind of boils down to, like, with Dyatlov, which is how we started our last season, um, the issue is, like, why did they leave their tent? And I think the issue here is, like, why did they leave the boat? Like, if the boat was still seaworthy, and the captain absolutely knew that, and all the sources I look at did seem to agree on that, like, why did they leave the boat? It's a really weird question. Um, so, again, one of the theories is that pirates came, 
pirates came, killed everybody, wanted the cargo. But I find this to be really unsatisfactory because, one, again, the cargo wasn't worth a lot. And two, like, I don't, why would pirates, like, if you're going to kill people, you just kill them and leave them there, right? Right. Why would you take them? Right. And why wouldn't you take the boat or sink the boat or something? Um, Again, because it's 1955, Soviets are also sort of thrown in there. Um, Soviets and pirates also fall into another category where it's not about the cargo. It's the idea that somehow... Um, the people on board bumped into something, they saw something that they shouldn't have, Um, you know, the Soviets or the pirates or the Japanese doing something bad um, that they shouldn't have and that that was, then they had to be, you know, taken care of. And um, I'm going to read a quote from Mysterious Universe. It says, quote, this theory carries some weight as at the time there was a lot of controversy in Fiji over Japan's operation of fishing fleets in their waters. I was pretty skeptical about that because this theory about, like, Japanese people doing hinky stuff seemed really prevalent at the time and feels very much like a post-World War II racism. Like, Mm -hmm. if anything goes wrong somewhere in, like, the Southwest, it's like, oh, well, you know illegal mexican operations were happening and somebody stumbled into something and they got killed right like that comes up a lot and it just feels very racist um stuff you miss in history tends to agree with this they say that these things get printed in newspapers but it doesn't seem to really be backed up in any proof it's just sort of like them speculating at the time right um And again, I guess because this, like, they saw something they shouldn't have, and then it's like, well, Soviets, or pirates, or Japanese. I'm like, you can't even agree on who the villains are. Another theory, which is kind of interesting, and again, I don't know how substantiated it is, but it kind of fits, is this idea of the captain. Um, Captain Dusty Miller, some things say that he was kind of like a had debts um and it might have been an insurance fraud but that i don't know um another one said that he did not get along with the first mate chuck simpson so one theory is that they fight and the captain gets conked out or the captain conks something someone else out and that's when the doctor comes up and starts treating someone who's bleeding Right. And then while the captain is incapacitated, somehow something happens to the boat, um, like a pipe blowing, and they panic. And that's why they decide to abandon the boat. Even though the captain mm. would have said, no, no, it'll be okay. There is a guy. Um, his name is David Wright. Uh, he wrote a book, and I did not read this book. I will be perfectly honest with you. Um, but he has this really interesting theory that I think actually sounds pretty good. His theory, and um, he is an English teacher, shout out, uh, in New Zealand. His mother's cousin was actually um, one of the passengers. And this is his theory. So remember how I said, like, something happens while the captain is conked out and they panic. So one theory is that it was a pipe that burst below deck. And David Wright says, okay, what if this pipe burst at night? 
and if it's night, it's dark, they may not know what have happened. If you just walk downstairs and suddenly there's water in your ship, you might freak out. So they think, he thinks that what happens is that the passengers or the crew went, oh my God, the hole must be breached. And so that's why they are stacking the mattresses to try and plug this hole. They decide, okay, we're going to send our distress signal. We're going to get in the boats thinking that help will be out here soon. We don't have to worry too much. But the distress signal doesn't actually get sent out for whatever reason, either because there's faulty wiring or a mistake. And then they sort of drift away from the boat at some point and then something else happens to them. <laughs> I mean, that seems that seems like a rational explanation. It's a pretty good one. Like, you can see it happening. Yeah. His other thing that I think is kind of interesting and speaks to some of the um, evidence as well, he thinks that the captain didn't want to leave, which fits in with everything I read about the captain, knowing that this was sort of a quote-unquote unsinkable ship. Um, so he thinks Captain Dusty Miller didn't want to leave and was basically forced at gunpoint, which would explain the missing guns, right? Yeah. The other thing that is kind of interesting is this idea about, I kind of glossed over it, but this idea that we get in the lifeboats, the distress signal is out there, and then, and this goes back to the Jiang Sang and also a little bit the Mary Celeste, that these boats are really big and the distress signal is on the big boat and the lifeboats are really small. So if you had to get into a lifeboat, particularly if not everybody had um, life jackets, you would probably tether your boats together or tether them to the big boat. So even if you thought the Joyita was sinking, you would probably want to stay close to it as long as you could, right? Because, okay, if by morning the boat is fine, you can, you know, pull yourself back in and get back on. Or if people are coming to rescue you, Right, they're coming to the distress signal on that boat. Um, so David Wright mentions this, and so does um, a Reddit post. And it's interesting, the person who wrote this on the Reddit thread, um, it was someone from the podcast Thinking Sideways, which I love. I used to listen to all the time, but they don't record new episodes anymore. Um, but he mentioned this idea that they get in the boats thinking that help will be out here soon and then they drift apart and then I don't know something happens to the boats that now they're floating in the water and sharks eat them or something <laughs> <laughs> no yeah oh, that would be the but worst it, it would be it would be very frightening also like I know it sounds weird but like Thinking about in a, like, Jack and Rose Titanic situation, even if the water's warm, you know, it's Fiji, the water's warm, it's seawater, it's easy to float, like, at some point you're going to get tired, and that would be a horrible, horrible thing to think about, like, I don't have a life jacket, I haven't slept in 20 hours, my arms hurt, like, when will my body just give up and I'm gonna sink beneath the water? Yeah, I guess, like... I don't know. I You know, I can't say anything because I've never been, like, in a no-boat-water situation. <laughs> I Yeah, I mean, no, me neither, obviously. Hmm. And on that spooky note, I have to say, that is all that we know about the MV Joita. Why did they leave the tent? Why did they leave the tent? Why did they leave the boat, right? 
And I will say, so the Mary Celeste is a really famous one that I didn't include in this one because it's so famous and spooky and the theories are so long that it would be a fun one to do all on its own. Like, I just couldn't do it justice, slam it in here. The other one that I almost included, um, there's two. They're very famous. They're, like, on every list about ghost ships. One is the Carol A. Deering, um, and that one is really weird. I, yeah, if if this interested you at all, um, the Carol A. Deering disappeared in 1921, or it didn't disappear. Um, the people on board it disappeared in 1921 um, with some hinky stuff happening beforehand. And then the other one that's a little weird and perhaps not quite as ghostly but also kind of spooky is the Bakemo. Um and the Bakemo did this weird thing where it um got stuck in um like up far north of Canada and then they had to abandon her and then like the ship like disappears and reappears and the last time they saw it was in 1969 and they don't know if it's sunk or if it's in the ice somewhere. Like it's very mysterious what happened to this boat. Hmm. But yeah, so those were two other ones that I almost included. And if you guys are interested at all in looking into this more, um, or you want us to do another episode on ghost ships, those are some things to think about. (laughs) More ghost ships by request. More ghost ships by request. From the person who once got seasick on a ferry. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I I like water, and in general, I like boats. But, um, you know, it does always seem like the long overseas journeys are kind of scary, and I think this just made that very real in my head. Yeah, I, like I said, I'm not a huge boat person or water person and I do sometimes get seasick um and yet I have like a rather robust collection of paintings of boats (laughs) (laughs) um do you do you care to explain why you have so many boaty pictures I don't know and it's not even like an on-purpose one like I found this picture of a boat like at a flea market in Switzerland when I was like 20 and I love it and I bought it and then I bought this picture of sailboats in Puerto Rico which is kind of like what it looked like there and I've painted some boats like I've painted pictures that have boats in it and and I don't know they just accumulate um and every once in a while I mean I look at the paintings and I love them and I like the colors and everything and then Every once in a while, I look at it, and I'm like, this is a lot of boats for someone who doesn't really like water that much. (laughs) (laughs) I I Um, I love this detail. I'm loving this detail so much right now. (laughs) I'm going to have to find a way to put a boat painting in your life. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, and now that I'm looking around, I'm like, well, that is a painting of a whale. Like there's water in that painting i'm like what is going on (laughs) i think this is a good place to end so everyone out there i encourage you to take some time to go to your local 
markets, your thrift stores, check out where the creatives hang out in your area, and if you can find any nautical slash boat <laughs> paintings, please send them to Emily. <laughs> oh, jeez. All right. Well, yeah, do that. I do like thrift store art. Um... As we all know. <laughs> thanks. Uh, thanks for the nightmares, everybody. <laughs> Goodbye forever. <laughs> Goodbye forever. All Things Terror is written, recorded, and produced by two amateurs, Jennifer and Emily. Our sound editor is Clint. Intro music is by Cosimo Fogg. Come chat with us on Twitter at All Things Terror or Instagram at All Things Terror Podcast. Ask nicely and we'll probably send you a really cute sticker. If you like this podcast, tell a friend or write a review. It really helps us and helps more people find us. Goodbye forever. <laughs>